Welcome back to Detroit Strange. This podcast. That you're listening to. Right now. With your ears. We're so glad you're here. <laughs> yes. Belkiam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On this chilly Monday night. I It is, but I'm feeling really good this week for some reason. Not when I good. think about things outside of recording with you, but <laughs> in this one instance, I'm feeling very good. Good. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy to be recording too. Today was very much a Monday, so I Aww. wasn't excited about that. But now it's recording time, and that's fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would fullheartedly agree with that. Yes. It's so good to see you. <laughs> it is so good to see you too. How was your weekend? My weekend was good. Uh, got some work done in the basement. Uh, we started doing some electrical, which was interesting because it's something I don't know a ton about. Yeah. Luckily, my cousin Jerry, friend of the show, does. Uh, I didn't know you could like, like adding a new breaker to a breaker board is not that hard. Oh. Like I thought it was going to be like, oh God, so complicated, but it was just like basically clicking it in. I was going to say there's just little spots like a bit like empty spots right yeah it's yeah. like there's okay. like the the like behind the panel is like just like this weird like copper just like thing that has like little slats mm-hmm. i had i moved into a house once and the panel was down so i've seen that actually yeah it's weird i've never thought to look behind the panel we're like this looks dangerous do we need to talk to the landlord about this being just exposed <laughs> <laughs> Uh, probably yes, cause oh, we did, we did. Yeah, we got mostly electrical done. We had to like rewire a little bit next time, mm-hmm. and we do some construction stuff. But um, it's going well. I can see progress. I've got a lot of work. I have to like clear like all the shit that I can out of it soon. Like this week though. Ooh, cause like, like I, yeah, the not fun part. I know, cause like so far, like. Everything's kind of just shoved to one side of the room. Mm-hmm. So I have to get all of it out of the way so we can work on that half of the room now. But the couch is non-negotiable. The couch is staying where it's at because... It's a hefty couch. It's a hefty couch. And I've had mm-hmm. to take it apart and put it back together like four times already. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know if this couch will survive another like disassembly and reassembly. Have I told you I used to own that same couch in a, a different fabric, but same couch? Because it's Ikea, right? Yeah. Yeah, with oh, the little course. lift up thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh I loved that couch so much. But it was I I bought it and I remember I had to put it together by myself and then I did move once with it and yeah, it's It can be done. Mm-hmm. And it's like not like it is pretty intuitive with how you put it together, but it's still a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. It's like multiple parts. Yeah. So I'm like, I figure if I can get everything else except for the couch, mm-hmm. that's fine. I can just throw a sheet over it. It's covered yeah. in drywall dust currently, which is not great, but Yeah, but I mean you'll get a sheet on it, you'll clean it afterwards. Right. And it will actually probably be kind of weirdly like cathartically fun to clean it up. You know what I mean? Because that'll be one of the oh, last definitely. things you do. Like with something so dusty too, and you just like wipe it and like mm-hmm. you can see where you swipe because it's now clean there. Yep. That mm-hmm. is very satisfying. Yeah, it's, uh, I think that's part of the reason, like, I don't mind sweeping floors, but I hate mopping floors, which they are dirty and you can see like, you know, dirt on the pad or the water or whatever you're using. I use like a little, you know, Swiffer thing, whatever. Anyway, but sweeping, you literally like see the collection as it comes together. Whereas mopping is just like, you do it because it is cleaning and it's going to make it cleaner, but also... It just feels meh. Yeah. Because I I see a difference afterwards, but it's not that drastic. Like you said, like you literally see the things yeah. happening. I need to see the drama, trauma, and conflama of it all. I shook a rug the other day and just like, it was very satisfying because all the shit flew out of it. Mm-hmm. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Disgusting. Not literal shit, but like. <laughs> I mean, who so knows? It was, kitchen, it was a kitchen rug, not a bathroom rug. <laughs> fair <laughs> uh, yeah i mean the rest of my house is just like chaos i did decide to start building a lego set in the middle of the chaos though so <laughs> lovely isn't i'm not helping specific type of lego set yeah i like just like 
hopped on the architecture bandwagon. Oh, fun. They have like an architecture series of Legos. So the first one I got mm-hmm. was like um, the Tokyo Skyline. So it's got like the Tokyo Sky Tree, like the Tokyo Tower. Little, like there's like one tiny little like cherry blossom tree that's like at the base <laughs> of the tower. Cute. Yeah. I've just decided I love Legos again. They're pretty I loved great. I like us as a kid. And yeah, now I'm same. Back, I'm back, back, back again. Like, I think these architecture Legos might become my new thing. I can I can see that being fun. Yeah. I mean, realistically, they're they're um they're kind of like a puzzle meets like an engineering situation. Yeah. I was talking about today and I was like, it's a puzzle that tells you exactly what to do. Yeah. Well, I love that. I'm excited yeah. to see your your skyline when you're done. Yes. Ah, uh, I'm very excited about it. So far, it's just Tokyo Tower and the base, but mm-hmm. it, part two might happen tonight. They had the bags like separated into parts. Like I did the first bags. Like that's nice. Yeah, the bags have numbers on them. So like I like you open the two bags that say number one, and that's all the pieces for number one. And then like phase two has its own bags. That's awesome, actually. It's great because it also gives you a stopping point. Yeah, I'm like I've made it to the end of part one. Now yeah, it's my can... break. You can spread it out too, which I think a thing like that you should spread out. Yeah, because yeah. you don't want to. I mean, as they say, you don't want to blow your load all at once. No. <laughs> as well, the kids are saying. The kids are always saying that. Yeah. <laughs> how was your How was your weekend? Do anything fun? Um, I mean, it was it was fine. Uh, nothing over the top to report or anything like that um although yesterday my roommate (laughs) did request that i participate in a tiktok challenge with her okay which one uh the bus it challenge the what bus it which is funny because i had no idea what it was because it has not shown up on my feed whatsoever which it amazes me how different everybody's feeds are because everybody thinks like oh yeah you've you've definitely seen this one and right. that's not always true. And it's fascinating to me. And so she had to show me several of them. It is um, basically a dance, sort of, but not really. Basically, you're dancing to bus it, which I'm not cool. I don't know music. I didn't know that song. It it samples Nelly. I knew that part of the song. That's it. And hmm. then you drop down, as it were. You get low. Yes. And on the drop, so you look like you're supposed to look kind of like essentially crap in the beginning when you're dancing and then you drop down and then you're fantastic is the the whole thing like you've had a a makeover situation happen you've glown up from the dancing the dancing has yes just improved your life drastically i kept telling her i wanted to do the bump it challenge (laughs) where you're gonna bump it and put in your hair yeah okay all of a sudden you're transported to the jersey shore circa whatever 2008 or whatever oh my god that was such a thing (laughs) it was such a thing for a minute like remember that like asking on tv product literally called the bump it yes yes i never had one uh thank goodness but (laughs) yeah it was hilarious that existed i did definitely do that style to my hair a little bit though i had a mini bump like the the big was always a little too much for me just a little in the front was was fine with me just a little height little height we were gonna do that version but we forgot because we were tired (laughs) yeah i feel like that's a lot of time tiktoks they don't happen when you're like wide awake and really having a great time it's like i just rolled out of bed uh it's still in my blanket hoodie that's most of my tiktoks i've never done any like challenge or anything like that where the time i don't know i had to teach her how to edit but then there was like things I hadn't done before. I don't know. You were teaching each other. It was a TikTok seminar. Each other is a strong word, but yeah. (laughs) We're both learning. Because she was teaching me about the challenge. Yes. And that is education I need. Yes. Uh, But it was was not anything I would normally do, but I guess, you know, it was fun. It's fun to do things outside of your, your normal range. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Branch so look out, for that. experience new things. Yes. Is it on your TikTok or hers? Hers. I sent it okay. to you, though. Okay. Yeah. I have mm-hmm. notifications turned off for TikTok, and I think it was the best oh. decision I've yeah, ever no, done. Yeah, no, that's fine. 
Yeah. I think I might turn off Twitter notifications soon because... See, I don't tweet at all. I have like 10 tweets my whole life. Um, I've had Twitter since like 2007 or something ridiculous. So my account's extremely old. I just have never gotten into it. There was a time, sometime during the pandemic where I was like, maybe I tweet now. (laughs) I did like two and then I completely stopped after that. And I'm like, "Ah, I guess... I should try at some point. It seems like a good idea, but... Uh, I mean, just... it's, it is what it is. I mean, my last tweet was I put a poll out there five days ago, and it's just, is Boondock Saints worth a rewatch? Yes, no, or eh. <laughs> I got one for yes and one for eh. It's been too long since I've watched it, so I cannot weigh in on that. I did like it when I watched it. I mean, like, it's heavy. That's like how I am, too. Like, I remember I liked it when I saw i've probably seen it like twice mm-hmm. both like in high school mm-hmm. maybe once early college but like i remember liking it but it's one of those things where like i don't know if it holds up yeah i don't i don't know either although i will say instead of watching boondock saints you could just watch the boondocks because that was yeah. a great show yeah and i'm sure that holds up it's been a while for that too but i'm sure it holds up oh no i feel like it that definitely i feel like if if we're questioning which one held up better, yeah. I'm guessing the Boondocks. <laughs> yeah. Unrelated to each other other than the name. I just, I do love Willem Dafoe. Dafoe, Dafoe. Yes. Love Willem Dafoe. And he's in Boondock Saints. I think yeah. that's, he'd be the only reason worth watching for, rewatching for. That's fair. I mean, it's only a few hours and if yeah. you're not watching anything else, go for it. You can turn it off if you're like, eh. If I can watch Goldfinger for the fourth time this quarantine, I can make room for Boondock Saints. You know, you know what movie I used to love and I will always defend because I do love this movie. And I came across, of course, a TikTok where it was like, what movie will you defend to the end? And it brought this movie back into my perspective. Oh, yes. And I watched uh, yesterday morning. I watched um, Josie and the Pussycats, which is, I think, circa oh 2000 or 2001. Have you seen That's it? That's been on my list for the longest time because I hear nothing but good things and that it was before its time. Uh, it's very before its time. I love it. I'm not going to say everything in it was like ultimately unique, but unique because like people had made fun of like consumerism culture and things like that before but it definitely makes fun of like uh, in a very playful way and yeah it knows what it is the whole time and you know it knows what it is and i just i love that movie it's is it streaming anywhere or do you have it i found it i think it was on hbo okay i got that okay I think that's what I... Yeah, if you just do a search for it, you should be able to find it. I was on something that I have, and I'm sure you have... I think you have more streaming services than I do, so <laughs> I think you Not have it many. Somewhere. I think really the only one that I think that I know that I have that you don't is Crunchyroll. I don't see you being a Crunchyroll kind of hoe. I don't think so, no. Yeah, it's yeah. all anime. But it also got me... Because then in the, in the comment section of that video, a bunch of people put other movies. These people are my people. All the movies oh. everyone was listing, I was like, I love that movie, and I will also defend it. Like, uh, I talked about the Super Mario Brothers movie, which I also Oof. adore. That movie, I've never seen it. It's, I'm not gonna say good for any. Is it like the best kind of bad? No, no, it's not even that. I just really like it. Part okay. of it could be I watched it when I was younger. Fair. Um, Nostalgia is a powerful filter. It, it was my first introduction to John Leguizamo. Who had done many other things before this, but that was just the first time he came into my awareness. I think it was Tu Wong Fu for me. Oh, I loved Tu Wong Fu, but that was later. Love Tu Wong Fu. That was definitely later. Uh, Yeah. What other movies were in there? Oh, they said A Night at the Roxbury, which I'd have to rewatch that to defend it, to be honest. But I did like it when it came out. I forget that Molly Shannon's in that movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen that one in a minute. I remember it being like real dumb but real fun like yeah just like exactly dumb, funny. it is yeah yeah which i mean a lot of times when snl characters got their own movie yeah that's just what you have to expect like that's generally what's yeah. going to come out of it and some of them are better than others i would put night of the roxbury in the better than others category oh for definitely those for sure also somebody mentioned romeo and michelle and i was like i don't think people think that's a bad movie um yeah, I don't like hear that one is like being people like I feel like that generally has positive fanfare. Yeah. I need to see it again because I watched it one time and I was just like, that was fine. 
I don't know. I made the. I don't know if I watched it when I was tired because it seems like a movie I would love. I adore it. I love the dance scene with Alan uh, Alan Cumming. See, I don't dislike that, but one of my least favorite parts. I mean, it's ridiculous Fair. and it is like funny. And they're all very good dancers, actually. But yeah, I don't know. I love Janine Garofalo so much. So I think all of my favorite parts are probably the Janine Garofalo related bits. Yes. Just one of my favorite ladies. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I'll defend movies. <laughs> oh, same. I like, I've realized I just like love having hot takes. Mm-hmm. You know, how I did that Bond thing where I watched all the Bond movies. I promise I'll keep this Bond brief. Um, <laughs> but I was just like thinking about like making like a video of like best Bond girls, just ranking the Bond girls, like just doing something with this information because I just want to have opinions and put them Do out it. there. I mean, there's plenty of platforms <laughs> available yeah. nowadays, so just do it. I encourage this. There's so much interesting stuff in the Bond series that only I find interesting, but I'm sure other people find it interesting. It's just not the people I talk to. 100% there's other people. And I did yeah. tell you the other day that roommate Lisa, Lisa. Yes. Uh, does like Bond. I don't think she probably has watched every single movie, but she has watched many and owns it's some not DVDs. Easy, it's easier to do because they put a mm-hmm. lot of them on streaming recently. Mm-hmm. I think everything except for like the last two, like so Skyfall and Spectre are streaming now. I'm sure if she wants to, she will seek them out. Not all of them are worth I was going to say, I think there's just like a time period. I don't know because I don't know Bond, but I know. Just all the Roger Moore ones. (laughs) Yeah. What you sipping on over there? That looks pretty. Just some Pinot Grigio. Oh. I was feeling a little rehouse white. Is there? Oh, that's the reflection of your shirt. I thought there was oh, like yeah. a barrier or something in it, and I didn't realize until the no. second time that's just your a reflection. Yeah, that's okay no. though. Switch to a different kind. I tried the Boda Box. Have you ever had Boda Box? I love Boda Box. That's what this is. Boda Box Pinot Grigio. Okay, I've never had their Pinot Grigio. I had some like different red blends mostly, and I think their rose and probably their Chardonnay. But I am a big fan, especially when they're on sale controversial but brave how do you feel about rosé i do actually like it still even though it's not yeah as cool as it was it which is so so ridiculous and not just because the color the thing i like about it is it is a bit lighter if i don't want to have like a red wine it's not overly sweet like some white wines like it's kind of in that middle sweetness zone at least to me and there's some decent cheap ones yeah that I like. Like, I would never go spend a lot of money on rosé or anything. Well, I would never spend a lot of money on any wine. Yeah. Uh, on purpose. So I like it sometimes. And it mixes it up. Yeah. I, like, don't love rosé. There's been a couple I've had that I liked. But, like, on the whole, I feel like I'd much rather just have a red or a white. That's that's definitely fair. But I'm not buying you a bottle of rosé anytime soon. So thank you for that information. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like my go-to if I'm just, like, buying a bottle of wine... If it's red, it's Pinot Noir. If it's white, it's Riesling. Oh, I hate Riesling. Really? <laughs> yeah, okay. I cannot stand Riesling. It's too sweet for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the German wines, for the most part, are a little too sweet for me, so I, I tend to stay away from them. There are a couple of sweet white wines that I like, like, but generally more in a blend. Yeah. And actually, there's this one from Trader Joe's. I don't even know what kind of wine it is, but it's it's called Vino Verde. It's real cheap. <laughs> it's like a bubbly white wine, and it's, it's a little sweet, but Ooh. it's... Absolutely delicious, but it doesn't cross that like threshold. Yeah. Where I kind of turn off. And unfortunately, with like a lot of the German wines or like the iced wines, because I think yeah. when they're colder, that tends to actually bring the sweetness out in the grape more or something. They have something called like ice wine where like they pick yeah. the grapes where they're frozen. Yeah, no, and, like, I've had ice wine. Like, yeah. And did not it's like very it. very sweet. I liked it. I like used to drink Moscato a lot though, and then oh, that no. became too sweet for me. And I was like, I couldn't possibly drink Moscato anymore. But I'm like, mm. Riesling's good. It's still like a little sweet, but not like crazy. I used to be a big Pinot Grigio fan, actually, and I haven't had it in a while because the last couple times that that actually had become a little too sweet to me too became not my preference anymore. Fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also don't like super dry either because I used to like Merlot, for example, and now I'm like, mm, no tastes like chalk. Yeah. i don't want that <laughs> yeah nobody wants that as you can tell i have a, a very refined palate <laughs> tastes like chalk yeah it's too sweet hello <laughs> we are somaliers 
definitely talk to you about wines i always spit it out after i sip it that is a waste i always hate like (laughs) just drink it it's already in your fucking mouth Mm -hmm. like yeah you're drinking wine like you knew the risk that you're gonna get a little tipsy maybe drunk but Mm -hmm. you signed up for that how dare you i remember i went to a wine tasting once and like there was just like you could pour out the rest of the sample into a bucket before oh, they yeah. poured you a new one. I've seen and I'm that. Like, Can I take the bucket? Like, <laughs> like it wasn't like spit wine. It was just like yeah. poured out wine. And yeah. I was like, I'll take Still. the bucket to go. Give me a straw. <laughs> like, let's go. Let's fucking do this. Oh, that still grosses me out <laughs> for some yeah. reason. This was like pre-COVID. Somebody Pre-COVID, could, like... I would have done it. Now I'm kind of second guessing. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe that's why I'm grossed out. Maybe I wouldn't have yeah. been. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see, like... Human behavior in general after that. Yeah. Like, what are people still going to be willing to do? What are people going to be like, ah, oh, maybe, like, I shouldn't do this. Because I, like, I was never shy about sharing drinks. No, I wasn't either. I don't think I'm going to go back to being shy about that kind of stuff once it's, like... Yeah. I think when we first start re-entering, yes, because there's still kind of, like, that gonna be that period of like mm. making sure it's gone as it were yeah but i think once we get kind of like solidly like it's done it. yeah. i'm not gonna care because i didn't care before and like yeah this pandemic was not caused by people sharing a glass of drink no yeah. I'm ho- and i'm ho- i think i'm gonna pick up a, a few weird i think i think i'm gonna be more like and i'm always I'm never the one to like initiate hugs with people, but I love hugs. Like I adore yeah. hugs so much, but I think I'm going to be even more terrified of initiating a hug with anybody ever, just because I feel like boundaries are going to be different for many people. I've realized that like being alone this much has had consequences where like my filter sometimes, or just like, oh, it's not acceptable to just start singing out of the blue. First of all, that is acceptable to just start saying well, like, not acceptable but just kind of like oh this isn't normal to just start doing this i think Although, it is know, though let's normalize that because i do it all the time too let's normalize it as my therapist mm-hmm. told me today normal is just a setting on a laundry machine a washing machine that's the word for that that's true i like laundry yeah. machine <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can't remember names of things anymore apparently because i just i feel like That's i've fine. been doing that a lot lately like uh uh the this machine or this mm-hmm. thing i've done that before that's fine as long as you're still communicating which you are i know what you meant yeah. you didn't even have to like backtrack i knew there was no charades involved no no exactly were you stepping on anything fun and exciting yeah, actually, um, so I made a gin and tonic, but I also made some rosemary simple syrup to add to it. Ooh. Yeah, it's delightful. I've never done that before with this particular drink. You are the queen of infused simple syrups. Well, I they're super it. easy to make. Well, no, for sure, but like I never even have the idea to do it. I feel like you're always like, I did this simple syrup with this, and I'm like, oh my god, that's such a great idea. I think it's because I just like come across... Because I do follow a bunch of like um, restaurants and stuff on Instagram. So I'll come across like their cocktails and they describe them. So I get like caught in my head. Yeah. And also in coffee. I like making them for like coffee drinks now too. Because I treat myself to fancy coffee drinks at home now. Because I don't go anywhere. as you should. (laughs) Yeah. No, I love a nice cup of coffee at home. Mm -hmm. I mean, I probably have about five or six lattes a, a week now. Yeah. And it's still and or kept I don't really know. They're kind of somewhere in between a latte and a cappuccino, but espresso beverages. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So I like to do a lot of different flavors and stuff too. Not that like a straight up one's not good. Sometimes you want to zhuzh it up. Yeah. It makes me feel like I'm not as dead inside. Yes. <laughs> or stuck in my house mostly by myself most of the time. Oh, for sure. It's like, ooh, look at this fancy coffee. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm sitting in a cafe. <laughs> I surely couldn't have made that. I must have gone somewhere. <laughs> no, I got this at the cafe. I'm at a cafe. This isn't my house. It's a cafe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do have one question for you. Yes. Do you want to hear a massive story? <laughs> I would love to hear a massive story. Okay. So full disclosure uh, to listeners, I told you this was a really long one before we started recording today, and we've decided to break it up into two parts. 
Controversially got brave. Two-parter. Yeah, because it's going to be long because it's kind of multiple stories strung together. Uh, and secondly, and I think you know this because I accidentally spilled the beans right before we started recording, but <laughs> I didn't tell you outright, but this did come from a suggestion from none other than our very own friend of the show, Karen D. Yes. Oh, we love and stan a Karen D. <laughs> Which side story. So I saw it and I wrote it down and I started like researching it. And I saw it before you did, actually. And I didn't know you had access. Like, I didn't think you actively had access to the inst- or the Twitter. So I was just like, Ooh. oh, I totally do. I just forget Twitter exists. <laughs> Usually. Okay, but I check our like, email. That's what I thought. Like Twitter doesn't exist to Jess. I, but did but it come through in the email? It was in the email, so I saw it Damn. in our email. So I went and read it, and I was like, "This is amazing." Wrote it down, started researching it, and then it was funny because a few days later, I went back just to double check what she had written to make sure. Yeah. Well, I was like halfway done with research at this point, uh, and I saw that you had responded, and I was like, "A, first of all, I'm a dick. I didn't even respond, but I was going to after we recorded." Yeah. Um, and B, oh my gosh, I hope Alex hasn't started this yet because I'm really into this and I don't want to stop. And I, I got as am far as to. making a Google Doc, so I'm happy you did it because that means a lot less work for me. Okay, fantastic. Again, it's a doozy of a story. And actually, she gave us several so specific suggestions, it. but it yeah. also kind of led me down into even more. You fall on the string. Yes. So we're being a wild ride. So buckle up. Did we actually say what it was? I'm getting to that. Okay, okay. Buckle up, preferably in what kind of vehicle do you think? Uh, A Dodge. I actually Mm -hmm. (laughs) today said Dodge is shook at the fact I can fit a 2x4 in my Chevy Malibu. Actually, I just saw that before. (laughs) Yeah, three times today I walked out to my car with a measuring tape like, God, will it fit? So I just needed like eight or nine more studs for the basement i think yeah. i could fit this in my car and you did and I it did. lovely it's fantastic Trucks everywhere found shook chevy malibus holding upwards of nine <laughs> planks of wood so uh um, hashtag not sponsored <laughs> i'm glad that you're buckled up now in a dodge yes a dodge ram even from vroom my big old truck. I used to drive a, a Dodge Stratus. That's nice. <laughs> Not or Dodge big. Neon. My dad had a lot of Dodge trucks growing up. I would so in high experience. school. My dream car was a Dodge Neon, and I don't know why. I mean, it's fine, but it's not anything fantastic. I had a, my dream car for a minute was like an old Taurus, just like early two thousands, late nineties Taurus, just like the round ones. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, my dad had one of those. Uh, it was I was a just like, car. everyone's like, what kind of car do you want? I'm like, it's just an old Taurus, please. This is like 2008, <laughs> like nine. Taurus. Or no, it was earlier than that because it was when the Tauruses were gone. Because they disappeared for a minute. They did, but they came back pretty. They came back fancy, actually. Like they were like. They, yeah. And not that they came back like high end, but they came back like medium high, we'll say. I think they replaced like the Ford 500. They just renamed it a Taurus. Oh, maybe, maybe. Because Ford but 500 anyway, was there for a minute. Yeah. It's not this about a Ford. Ford podcast. No. Or Taurus. Irrelevant. We are going to start with what I'm calling the easy stuff. Okay. <laughs> Daniel Rugg Dodge, a machinist in Niles, Michigan, which is in like the southwest part of the state down here, kind of. And okay. his wife, I just did a hand map, by the way, for anybody listening. She did a hand map and she was like on like the not thumb side by the wrist. Yeah. The, um, the something mound on the hand. That's what it's called, I think, but I forget what it is. We're not an anatomy <laughs> podcast. No. We couldn't possibly. Uh, so he and his wife, Lorinda Gould Dodge, give birth to a son named Charles in 1855, daughter named Lauren in 1858, and they separate after, which means he marries his second wife, Maria Casto, in 1860, who gives birth to their daughter, Della Lone, in 1863, followed by John Francis Dodge in October of 1864 and Horace Elgin Dodge in 1868. So none other than. The Dodge Brothers. Bow, bow, bow. Mm-hmm. They were very close. Uh, Rumor even said that they would wear matching clothes at times and like matching tailored suits out to the bar, for example. Love that. They spent most of their time together. They were very like inseparable. 
And their father had previously taken over his father's business, repairing boat engines. And the boys were raised amongst workshops, tools and machines like that. So they were very equipped yeah. to that, that environment. The family moved around a bit, but eventually John ended up in Detroit in the winter of 1886, which, like I said, they were inseparable. So he basically said, Horace, get on up here. By spring, Horace was also in Detroit. So they're walking into Detroit again. It's about 200,000 people just for, you know, yeah. imagination. Yeah. And at this time, they took up a job at a boiler maker plant. Okay. So John would have three wives throughout his life. His first was a Canadian-born woman named Ivy Hawkins in September of 1892. They would go on to have three children, Winifred, Isabel, and John Jr. By 1894, though, the brothers would find work actually as machinists in the Dominion Typograph Company in Windsor. And yeah. while I said that these brothers were close, but I do want to point out that there was a few differences between them. John did have, they both kind of had a little bit of a temper, but John was a little bit more temperamental. He was more mm. outgoing and would later become heavily involved actually in Republican politics. Ugh. And Horace was a bit more reserved. He loved mu music, uh, which I wrote, John gave no shits about. Uh. These differences also led them, though, to being a really good balance in yeah. kind of constructing yeah. businesses. Because John was more sales-minded, had more of a business sense, and Horace was more inclined to work with, like, the mechanics of things and, like, tinker with things. and The details. Yeah, like an engineer yeah. type. Yeah. In July of 1896, Horace married Christina Anna Thompson, who was a Scottish immigrant. At the time, she was teaching piano in Niles, Michigan, where they met. It's said that Horace had 75 cents to his name at this point in time. They spent 45 cents on the honeymoon. Oh, my God. Or the honeymoon suite, rather, for one night and 20 cents for breakfast, leaving them with 10 cents to begin their life. Adjusted for inflation. How much? Am I kidding? I do have some of those throughout here, but not for that. <laughs> yeah. But for a short time, they actually lived with his parents. And eventually they had two children named Delphine and Horace Jr., who we will hear about later. Okay. 1897, the brothers arranged for a third party investor to help them start manufacturing bicycles. Horace had actually developed it and patented a ball bearing that was resistant to dirt so it wouldn't get clogged up as much. And that was kind of huge at the time. Yeah. Three years later in 1900, they sold their bike business and they used their newly found money. So somewhere, I, I, this number I saw it in a couple places, somewhere between $3,700 and $10,000. <laughs> so not sure. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Originally, they actually started... To, they opened a new shop and they started to make parts for stoves originally, okay. but soon moved on to automobile parts. So that was kind of burgeoning yeah. at the time. That newfangled thing called the automobile. Yes. After suffering, though, from tuberculosis, John's first wife, Ivy Hawkins, passed and he kind of had a hard time balancing business and the child care. And he ended up marrying a friend of his sister-in-law's named Isabel Smith in December of 1902. Okay. However, this marriage was secret and nobody knew about it outside the family until 1980 when the records became available. Oh, my gosh. Secret wedding. Mm -hmm. They actually ended up separating, though, in 1905 and divorced two years later. Short secret wedding. Their short secret <laughs> marriage. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, it sounds like just for childcare. He just married a babysitter, basically. Kind of. There's a lot of marriages and divorces throughout this entire story, by the way. Which love it. That's fine, but it's just it's a lot. If E had been around, like E channel, they would have covered this. Yeah. So two years later, 1902, they were awarded a contract to build transmission for the Olds Motor Vehicle Company. However, a year later, they turned on a second contract with them to rework their Detroit plant at Hastings and Monroe. Why? Because they were starting their own. Not quite. Oh. They were going to Tuberculosis. Nope. They were going to start. Okay. <laughs> they were going to start building for somebody else. Any guesses? Ooh. Uh, this might be a callback. Studebaker. Nope. Callback. Uh, ooh. Uh, Carhartt. They were going to. Oh, he did have cars. You're right. Okay. Now, I, I'm sorry. I thought it was more obvious and I apologize. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. That was rude. It's okay. I uh, love guessing. <laughs> I can keep guessing. If you want. Is it Ford? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't want to go too obvious, but sometimes oh. the obvious is the correct answer. It's true. <laughs> it's the biggest folly of trivia is like you overthink a question. Oh, yeah. No, you should always go with your first, your first instinct yeah. and stop thinking. The answer is always Ford. Exactly. 
Oh, but their deal to start working for, or start building for the machine, or sorry, <laughs> in their deal to start working for him building parts, uh, they got some shares in the company. So this actually explains from the TNT episode why Don jo- John Dodge was the VP of Ford. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the Dodge brothers were now 10% stakeholders in Ford after being given stock by Ford when he couldn't make a cash payment on a loan that they had given him. Okay. The major thing they were building for him was the Model T engine, of course. Oh, damn. Mm -hmm. Which they actually had. So not long after that, in 1906, John built a house for he and his family at 33 East Boston Boulevard. In 1907, he married his third and final wife, his secretary, Matilda Rausch. Yeah, of course. Why Mm -hmm. not? They would go on to have three children. More names that we will get to later, but Francis, Daniel, and Anna Margaret. Unfortunately, though, Anna Margaret would die from the measles before reaching age five. Bummer. Vaccinate your kids. Yeah, seriously. Not that they had vaccinations back then. Sorry. Not to shame the Dodges. This is more a message for modern day. Let's learn from the past. And because we have this available now, let's do this now. Yes. Exactly. There's going to be some more of those coming up later, too. Which... And shortly after marrying Matilda in 1907, he purchased 320 wooded acres in Rochester and began construction on a second home, the first of nine farms that he would buy out in the area. This would eventually become Meadowbrook. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Their children would eventually develop a lifelong love for horses here. Uh, they had some stables Horse and things hose. like that. Mm-hmm. And we'll get a little bit more into that later. So a little bit about Matilda. She was born in Ontario and the daughter of German immigrants. And she attended Detroit schools and graduated from the Gorsine Business College, also in the city. And in 1902, she began working at Dodge. And five years later, they would get married. Uh, So a very well-educated woman, I think particularly around the turn of the century. Definitely. And like, not to be that person but i'm just thinking of the lana del rey song of fucked my way up to the top (laughs) like she was smart in many a way yes yes not to say that she was stripping the boss before she was stripping the boss but yes (laughs) you gotta yeah (laughs) and then just this is this will come up too throughout so basically kind of like john's family's like super into horses Horace's family is super into boats. Boats, 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 I wrote. <laughs> boats and horses. Yeah, and particularly speedboats and yachts. Eventually, Horace would go on to own the fastest speedboat on the Great Lakes. And he brought some property on Lake St. Clair adjacent to the Detroit Country Club. Okay. Somewhere in this time period. Uh, by 1910, they were so successful, they decided to build a new plant in Hamtramck because they just had one plant in Detroit at that time. This is the one that people are more familiar with to this day it was about 24 acres it started with 5,000 employees and it could produce about 125,000 cars a year and i think it was actually built by albert Kahn. okay Uh, i read it in one place i was trying to corroborate it and i didn't (laughs) but i think it was it's a fair assumption with detroit that albert Kahn was involved yeah but remember at this point they were still producing for ford and neither company really loved this arrangement because Ford could pull production at any time. They could go with another maker, maybe even start making the stuff themselves. And Ford was kind of uncertain about relying on a single supplier, kind of for the same reason, because anybody could yeah. stop and they were getting bigger, you know. Right. And they knew that Ford was actually looking for alternatives at the time. So yeah. the Dodge brothers looked on as Ford began, began building the first assembly plant. And he was also checking out the 2000 acres on the Rouge River. And that's when Mm -hmm. they decided to give their year's notice that their contract would be ending the following year. That's a long time. Yeah. Like, well, I think they had to, because I mean, it was a contract. Adjusting for inflation. That was two weeks. (laughs) So while they were quite finance or they were on the financial rise, this is not to say that the upper crust of Detroit was completely happy with them. Uh And by that, I, they didn't like them. And this did bother their wives, I think, a bit more than the gentlemen themselves. But yeah. they were kind of known to be a bit of trouble from time to time, particularly when they were, you know, out drinking, which was oft- often. Often? Yeah. 
Uh, I think the whole work hard, play hard kind of thing came in heavy with them. Yeah. Uh, They were starting to be known around town for their fiery red hair, John for his fiery temper, and both of them for their love of playing very hard. So, for example, in 1911, as reported in the Detroit Times, at a bar in Detroit, John Dodge, along with his friend, absolutely pummeled an attorney who had two wooden legs. The man tried to defend himself with a cane, but it didn't stop John and company from kicking the shit out of him anyway. Damn. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, wh- wh- why? Girl, no. That is rude. Yeah. So it caused him to lose a lot of friends and acquaintances and maybe some invitations to some finer social functions. Yeah. It also caused the lawyer to sue, but it was settled out of court. I mean, I would be shocked if you beat up a lawyer and he didn't see you. Mm-hmm. Well deserved. <laughs> there was another story about John, which he saw a critical story about him in the paper and his solution. Well, burn it down <laughs> to go to the home of Jace. I might get this last name wrong, but um, James Shermerhorn, the publisher, the unassuming man opened the door. And John began to throw punches while promising a worse beating if the paper continued stories like that. Damn. Mm-hmm. Dodge was an apt last name. Mm-hmm. And I will see these stories span over a time period, but I don't have the specific years for most of these stories. I just kind of put them all together. But yeah. another tale talks about Dodge after a sales convention when John and his pals headed downtown to a bar where John not only demanded, but also threatened with both words and a revolver for the bartender to dance on top of the bar. Dance, monkey, dance. Pretty much. They clearly hammered John, then started to smash all the glass, resulting in thousands of dollars worth of damage. Because glass wasn't cheap back then. No. Like, restaurants yeah, weren't no. using that 79-cent Ikea glass. No, no. Now, while John was more known for his temper, isn't to say Horace was lacking one. Uh, there yeah. was one account that placed him outside of a bar. He couldn't start his car like the crank because he had to crank then. Yeah. And so he's just sitting there doing that when someone walked by and kind of made fun of him for the situation. Needless to say, it did not go well for that man. Beaten. I mean, I will say that is a bit better than cold clocking someone when you open the door. Yeah, but that's like, the nice brother. Like <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, my God. I know. That's like savage still but like i get it if you see when someone's struggling with their car you don't fucking make fun of them they're no, already you don't. pissed you don't. that's poking a bear you especially don't. when you know it's a dodge brother and he's gonna kick the shit out of you because that's what the dodge brothers did apparently yeah yeah um so during all this time too just keep in mind they're also collecting like dividends from their uh stock in ford so they're Interesting. Their wealth is just okay, going like yeah. up and up. And but because of all like the fighting and the social problems, we'll say they had a lot of trouble getting memberships around t- town to the like finer places. And yeah, they, they didn't have an insurance <laughs> policy big enough to cover them. No, but they could buy anything they wanted. Basically, uh, yeah. the only place that I could find that would have them as a member was the Detroit Athletic Club. And they did throw over the top parties and all that kind of there. There were no stories about anything going wrong with it. But one story did say when John's daughter was attending Detroit's Prim University uh, Liggett School, which I think was an all girls school, uh, they threatened to expel her if he continued with his exploits. Could you imagine getting expelled because your dad? (laughs) Just like, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I feel like this is like the definition of new money. Like when people are like, oh, new money. Mm -hmm. Well, and when John was refused membership by the Detroit uh, country club i believe this is when he ended up as a republican party kingmaker he decided to take mm-hmm. his efforts to there and when the country club in gross point wouldn't admit horace and his wife as members in 1912 horace built a red sandstone mansion in gross point called rose terrace right next door on the adjoining property <laughs> it was designed by albert Kahn in a Versa- versailles style and it was on the land that he already owned next to that property from a few years prior yeah and <laughs> It was a 75-room home with formal uh, gardens and docks, and he had a large boat docked out there, too. And he actually built a—I'm sorry, I'm laughing. He built a 12-car garage facing the country club 
so that he could make as much noise as he could. Good. His wife was mad. And <laughs> basically, as a result of that, he ended up giving a lot of money to the Detroit Symphony because he did like music, but like she really liked music. She had previously been a piano teacher. And um, a lot of that money went to build the orchestra hall where they still perform today. Awesome. Yeah. Love that. In 1913, Horace had outgrown his first yacht. He commissioned the build of a brand new 180 foot ship, which he called Nokomus. And it was followed by no, no, Nokomis 2. It's N-O-K-O-M-I-S. I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong. Sure. In 1915, he acquired the largest yacht in the Great Lakes, originally called Caroline, but he would rename it to Delphine after his daughter eventually. What a weird name, Delphine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I early 1900s, though. I think it yeah. was a little more. Here's my daughter, Dolphin. <laughs> he did That's like boats. Yeah. So who knows? Here's my daughter, Dolphin, and my son, Marlin, and our dog, Seahorse. I think Delphine, though, I think it is like a Greek goddess or something. I think so. Yeah. Because Delphi is something. <laughs> Greek. Like, We're not so the smart. auto supplier Delphi, but Delphi is something yeah. Greek. <laughs> um, Philadelphia, that's Greek for the city of brotherly love. It's, it, yep. Delphi. Maybe it's love. I don't know. I Probably don't not. know. We're not a Greek podcast. It's all Greek. <laughs> not to me. at all. Uh, Somewhere around this time period, too, Horace, in the nature of new money, uh, went on to purchase a large winter home in Palm Beach, Florida. He started the snowbird trend. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a lot of Florida in this this whole thing, too. We're going to get back to their departure from Ford, though, because they did eventually leave, obviously. In yeah, 1913. They get their, their one-year notice. Yes. In 1913, in fact. And 1914, they were actually building their own vehicles officially, creating Dodge Brothers Motor Car Company on July 1st, 1914. And they actually had a reputation, though, for making really good products because while people didn't love them socially, they just they had a reputation for being good at what they do. Yeah. They were one of actually... Between 40 and 120 new car makers in that same year, which Mm -hmm. 40 is a lot, too. But 120 is like ridiculous. Like car brands. Yeah. Most of them don't exist now, obviously. Oh, definitely. Uh, Their first car was the Dodge Model 30. And while some viewed it as competition for the Model T, it was actually a completely different price point, like several hundred dollars more. And it had a very different build concept in regards of the body and the vehicle itself. And they were also willing to be very blunt when it came to marketing. Uh, They created a buzz before their car was even out, announcing it in the Saturday Evening Post a few months prior. And their first advertisement was a billboard that stuck to the simple phrase, Dodge Brothers. (laughs) That's all it said. And then later it added motor car and reliable, dependable sound. There are no illustrations, literally just those words. (laughs) Okay. Mm-hmm. At some point around the start of their own business, too, this is just weird. I didn't know where to put it, but they began insisting that all mail be addressed to both of them, and they would only open mail if it was addressed to both of them. Okay, <laughs> sure. They were close. Uh, yeah, I guess so. They shared an envelope. Mm-hmm. In June of 1914, they had 5,000 employees. By the mid, by mid-1919, that number would grow to 17,000, and this is at the Hamtramck. Holy shit. Yeah, mm-hmm, that's a lot. Location. And they had a very different business model than Ford. They didn't make annual updates to their vehicle. Instead, they of making changes on the outside, which was mostly cosmetic. They focused on the mechanics, and that actually helped keep their costs down because they weren't always reinventing the wheel and gave them more yeah. space to grow in. Before their first seal? Seal? sale even happened they already had twenty one thousand dealership applications from across the country interesting yeah dealerships are interesting as someone who works in automotive finance from Mm -hmm. the outside but this is also like the beginning of dealerships too so i'm sure that they were structured differently than they are now oh definitely you know what i mean yeah they're probably still using the same software though i can tell you that (laughs) definitely yeah uh, they were actually two, just as a side note, pretty decent bosses and very charitable. They might give a work- worker a little extra support if they really needed it. If someone was on hard times, uh, they donated to a lot of causes. I, kn- 
I think the Salvation Army was one of them. I didn't write it down, but they provided perks at the plant too that was not common of the time period. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, workers had access to a fully staffed on-site medical clinic. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Complimentary life insurance. And on occasion, lunch and pitchers of beer was actually supplied. There was a story about it was like a really hot July day or something like that. And so that's what they did for the employees. Well, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I didn't go back to work after that. I think that was like a thing. A friend told me because that was there was a lot of... um especially in Hamtramck, like all that industry was going on at that time there. And that was like why there's so many bars in Hamtramck is because on lunch break or whatever break, because there's round the clock working yeah, uh, for different shifts, everybody would just go get pitchers of beer and stuff. Okay. That's why it's so bar heavy in the tiniest little area. Oh my God. There's so many bars in Hamtramck. Mm-hmm. It used to be the most bars per capita in the U.S. I'm not sure if it still is, but it used to be. We'll see what happens in 2021. Yes. But they also had a machine shop called the Playpen, and that's basically where men, and I wrote eyes roll because it specifically said men, could work to fix or build whatever they needed. And they did have female employees. That was a thing. So that's why I rolled my eyes. Work. Yeah. (laughs) They get an emphatic work trying the females. Uh, And just to go back a little bit to their advertising campaigns. Because these are funny. They got a little sassy in 1916 with things like, It speaks for itself. Okay. And think of all the Ford owners who would like to own an automobile. Damn, shots mm-hmm. fired. And then very heavy use of the word dependability. That was their big thing. Uh, they were the only one, too, I think, at the Is time. dependability a word? Well, they made it. I'm sorry. That was my next sentence, which was added to the dictionary shortly afterwards. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't, but it is now. Full friendle situation. Yes. Yes. It's interesting, too, because... Oh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, but yeah, so they're a little sassy. And their sales soared. They went from $11 million a year in 1915 to $161 million in 1920. Damn. Yeah. Like, they were producing, I think, in 1914... They had produced 370 cars in the year, and they were up to 145,000 in 1920. Holy shit. Yeah. So huge. Yeah. In 1916, though, Ford actually, because they still have stock in Ford at this point. They just don't have their contract. Uh, Ford sharply reduced dividends to stockholders, and the Dodges sued them, eventually forcing him to pay a dividend of just a bit over $19 million in 1918. And 10% of that was to go to them. Yeah. So they got um, $1.9 million at that point. Damn. Ford actually, as a result of that too, ended up buying them out of their shares for $25 million, which is about $645 million today. I mean, probably a smart move for Ford. Mm -hmm. But also, Mm -hmm. damn, that's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. In 1918, in order to be closer to John, because at this point, they didn't live next door. Uh, John purchased a bit of land in Gross Point Farms with the intention of building the world's largest home in the Detroit area. It would be 110 rooms with 24 baths. That is so many <laughs> bathrooms. I know. I was thinking about But it's one for every four rooms, which I guess is kind of normal, but also. That's a lot still. It's just I mean, 100, 110 is just a lot. Because like how many people could truly. <laughs> of rooms. Like how many people were living in that house? Yeah. I love a bathroom option though. I Yeah. But he even actually added a peninsula with a dock to the land for his new 104-foot power cruiser, too. He and that dock added, had 12 bathrooms. Yes, but he added a peninsula. He added. He made land happen. <laughs> that is some rich people shit. Mm-hmm. So by 1920, Dodge was the number two car brand, and both men were married. And none of their heirs displayed any desire, though, to follow in their footsteps, which would be a shame as this would be the last year for the Dodge brothers. Damn, did they both die the same year? Well, remember how I said they were close? Oh. They sure did die in the same year. They died in like a car crash or a bar no. fight? No, it was the same okay. year. Not that It was 11 months apart. Okay. After visiting an automobile show in New York in January 2020, John got very sick. Possibly the Spanish flu. Wear your damn mask. Yeah. Both men developed pneumonia, 
Horace survived, but John did not, and he passed away at the age of 55 on January 14th at the Ritz-Carlton in New York. What a classy place to die, though. I know. And (laughs) Horace was absolutely devastated and never really recovered. He did recover the pneumonia, but, like, not... Emotionally. Yeah. And he started drinking even more heavily, some say, until he suffered cirrhosis of the liver. That's no joke. Yeah. Damn, he drank himself to death. Mm -hmm. He died in Palm Beach, that Palm Beach property that he owned. Sure. Yeah. Sounds about right. Both men were buried in Woodlawn Cemetery in their giant family mausoleum. It's Egyptian style. It's got two Sphinx cats sitting on the outside. Very hard to miss if you're ever in Woodlawn. I need to go to Woodlawn because that sounds amazing. Yeah. And there's a lot. I mean, this family mausoleum. Basically, if I say somebody passed, they're probably in that mausoleum. So in 1920, their wives, Anna and Matilda, were basically the richest women on the planet. Uh, Just stacks on stacks on stacks. And also the most unlikely people to be in charge of this, you know, new car company, burgeoning car company. So in 1925, Matilda and Anna sold the company to Dylan Reed Investment Bankers for $146 million. Holy shit. Yeah. Really solidifying them to be two of the richest women in the world. Like they were already like. Yeah. Pretty well off. Now they're really well off. And just a, f- a few short years later, on July 31st, 1928, the Chrysler Corporation bought the Dodge Brothers Company for $170 million. Okay. So yeah. that's how Dodge ended up under Chrysler. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, now is a good breaking point if we want. Well, I'm just randomly texting me that I should take piano lessons. Bizarre. <laughs> I'm like, I'm already on the fast track to arthritis. I don't need anything else to accelerate that process i mean it could be fun but it is like a lot to learn i'm too old to learn anything like that i feel like the time for me to learn piano has passed that's fair i learned a little when i was younger but i never got like good i got my recorders i'm musically fine i think to like to pick something it can definitely be picked up as an adult but you have to you have to really want it, and I don't really yeah. want it. There has to be, yeah, because it's a time investment. It's a time investment, mm-hmm. and like, like just as a child, it's just so much easier when your brain's like just elastic goo. But like the older you get, like mm-hmm. you like, there's developmental phases where it's makes sense. Like it's like kind of like how learning a language is so much easier when you're younger because mm-hmm. your brain's wired to do that at that point in time. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I've just passed that for piano. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I do want to mention my sources really quick. There's a million of them. I apologize. Uh, (laughs) We're just going to say Wikipedia, of course. I also use the Gross Point Historical Society website, gphistorical.org, and an article of the Dodge Family, The Gross Points, by Michael W. Skinner. Our Detroit article called Brother of Invention by George Belanda. Sorry, this is funny. Uh, MiamiLakesAutoMall.com, The History of the Dodge Brothers. Yes. Haggerty.com, The Inseparable Erasmus. Irascible Dodge Boys by David Traver Adolphus. DW.com, when Industrial America Manufacturing Legend Dodge Brothers was stopped cold by the flu by Timothy Rooks. GoRetro.com, The Real Story of the Dodge Brothers by Pam. And FindAGrave.com. Nice. What a story. What a journey. And Mm -hmm. it definitely earned you this two truths and a lie. Woo! Okay. So the topic is deadly beauty trends. Ooh, interesting. I'm intrigued. Yeah, so I was writing trivia earlier and I ended up like looking up just a bunch of like just like beauty trends from throughout the years. Cause you know I always hear about like okay, good, this one's not here. The radium girls. Oh yeah. People who like would put like, you know, just basically like science would come up with something new. People would like, well that's great, let's do that. And then like a couple years later, like, oh never mind, that was terrible. Why would we do that? Mm-hmm. Although the radium girls, wasn't it because they were working in a factory? Yes, that was that's that was a bad example, but yes. Okay, I was just like, that was more. The radium girls they worked in a clock factory. Yeah, doing the the little things. Watch. Yeah, yeah. They were encouraged to lick their brushes to get an extra fine point. Look that radium paint. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a very disturbing story. One thousand percent. Not that these beauty trends are much better. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, fact number one. 19th century eyelash extensions were attached to the eyelids using small amounts of tar to hold them in place. 
effect number two. After people discovered that you shouldn't use lead to make themselves pale, they started using chalk, not only wearing it, but eating it too. Fact number three. Before people knew the adverse effects of prolonged exposure to x-rays, they would use new technology to get rid of unwanted hair. Those all seem so plausible. You've done a great job because I'm literally just going to be choosing out of my ass. Thank you. I tried so hard. I'm going to go with number three being the lie. That is true. Damn it. (laughs) So after being discovered in 1895, scientists noticed that the x-rays caused burns and hair loss almost immediately. Instead of being like, that's dangerous, they're like, that's a hair loss solution. No. Yeah. So they would just use x-rays to get rid of unwanted hair. Isn't that fucking bonkers? That really is. So you got one and two left. So it's... It's eyelashes with tar or chalk for paleness? Yes. I'm going to go with one. One is the lie, and it's so much worse. Oh, no. They would stitch the new eyelashes to the eyelids. (gasps) Basically, they would run a needle through, quote, the extreme edges of the eyelid and basically just leave thread eyelashes as they went. Ew. Ew. Right? What? Why? Because they wanted them thick, luscious, thick, luscious lashes, so they just would leave. I can't even. I can't even handle fake lashes now. Yeah, imagine that being stitched to your eyelid, such a thin flap of skin. So gross. Right. The chalk thing was true, and apparently it worked in multiple mm. ways because not only were you wearing the chalk, but eating it would make you sick, and then that would make you more pale. <laughs> so. It's awful. Cool. Uh, I have some honorable terrible. mentions, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, in the 1800s, they had these things called tortoiseshell combs that came into fashion, and they weren't actually made of tortoiseshell, but rather they were made of a celluloid compound hmm. that was highly unstable and would basically just combust if it existed for too long. Which sounds what? weird, but like the examples the article gave were like, if it was exposed to excessive moisture or leaving at room temperature for too long, these combs would just combust. No, you mean like in a bathroom where you get... <laughs> Right, like you can't bring your, you can't, like, and if I say, when I say comb, it wasn't like a comb that you brush your hair with. It was like a little thing you stuck in your, like a, like a, a hair pick. ornament. Like a pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So people just, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm sure you've heard of belladonna, right? The plant belladonna. Black, I uh, have, the but I don't, yeah. Okay. Oh, so I, ac- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it actually got its name, belladonna, because people would use it to dilate their pupils, which would lead to, lead to temporary and or permanent blindness. Oh, no. That's not yeah. good. So, like, basically it acts as, like, a muscle constrictor or something. Basically, it just, like, would freeze the muscle in the eye and make them, like, open fully. And so you would be beautifully dilated, but if you kept doing it, you could go temporary or fully blind. Oh, my gosh. And also don't, floating, don't. removing floating ribs. That's still done to this day where you... I've heard of that. Yeah, I don't... Where people want to like have a super impossibly small waist and so they get ribs removed. Yeah, I don't... That just sounds painful and unnecessary and not even yeah. attractive. Like, I, I don't... I mean, I... <laughs> I don't want to hate because body dysmorphia is like a real thing too and I don't, you know, yeah. but... <sighs> But again, that's literally removing parts of your skeleton. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of like all around like horrible. Yeah. It also reminded me of like, don't take parts of yourself away. Well, do you have you heard of the buckle in old Hollywood? I don't think so. Basically, actresses would have their like either their back teeth removed or their jaw broken and reset to like accentuate or give them cheekbones. I have heard of that. I just didn't remember. Yeah. It's so gross. Yeah. Mm. So a lot of this came from an article from BuzzNet about just terrible beauty trends throughout the ages. Oh, wow. 
Thank you. Couldn't possibly. Wow. No problem. <laughs> you earned it after that story. So I was more than happy. <laughs> it makes me happy that I'm too lazy for most trends. So. <laughs> yeah. Because apparently. Yeah. No. Don't do it. Trends. I'm like, no. <laughs> this like, is what I'll I got. Do I'll me. do the best right. I can with it. We'll like, see. I'll make it work. I don't need all these chemicals and nonsense. Exactly. Oh. I could just be gross and fine. Like, it's good. Yeah. Oh, well. What a whirlwind. I, yeah. What a great. My mind is blown right now by those trends and just. Yeah. My mind's blown by the Dodges. Mine still is, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think since our minds are both blown, I think that wraps us for Yeah. Today. I think we are so super wrapped. <laughs> so wrapped. We're the but if you want to find us on our socials at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address of DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And it would be so lovely if you could subscribe, rate, review. Rates really do help. Yes. we That would just it'd be amazing. Or if you know anybody who's interested in these topics, you know, share it out with your friends and such. And we have a Threadless shop and a Patreon. Yeah, <laughs> check them out. We got cool shit. But other than that, I think, until next time. Stay, stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Detroit duo Sex and Violence. Violence.